Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Amen. Well, if you got a Bible, go ahead and meet me in John chapter 14 this morning. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, that's where we'll be this morning. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. And as y'all know, some of you know Bible thumpers in here. There's a key life verse in here that many people know in verse 6 where it says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. These words, I am, come from when God was sending Moses back in to free the Israelites. And he said, when they ask who sent you, say, I am sent you. I am means to be, and it means I always will be. It's John chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. If you got to go ahead and stand on your feet with me as we read the word of God. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. Here now the reading of God's word. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am, here it is, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now you know, you do know him, and I've seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves, the very word of God. Amen. Today, I want to preach on the topic, the good way, the good way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this word. God, as I pray each week, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross so that your word can go forth. Father, decrease me so that you may increase. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You are my rock and my redeemer. God, get glory in this place. We ask in your name, Jesus. And everyone said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. I've been away one week and y'all so quiet up in here. Can't even hear you say amen. Can we say that again? There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. The good way. In college, I played on this intramural team, a basketball team. And we called ourselves Cookies and Cream. Cookies and Cream. Can y'all guess why we called ourselves Cookies and Cream? It was three black dudes on the team and three white dudes on the team. 
Hence, multi-ethnic ministry happens in intramural sports. I loved playing on that team, and one of the things we did at the beginning of the seasons, we had these just, we, we, were, we were broke in college, y'all, so we cut off our shirts, and on the back, on the front it said cookies and cream, and on the back we put our nicknames. And everybody picked nicknames that people knew them by, and you know me, I, I just came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm super zealous and in love with him, so I put the letters W, y'all know where I'm going? No, not, not that one. Not WWJD. WTL. WTL. Can y'all guess what that stands for? Y'all fast learners. I put the way, the truth, and the life on the back of my shirt. And here's why I did it. Because every time I played a game people were going to see these letters on the back of my shirt. And every time, they would be like, hey, D, hey, Puck, what does that stand for? And I'd be like, yeah, I get to share the gospel with him. I get to share the gospel with him. And so I, I got to share the gospel every time I played in a basketball game. So because I would be whooping them on the court, so they only saw my back. So it'd be like, WTL, what is that? While I'm scoring a layup. And I'd tell them, it's the way, the truth, and the life. It's the only way to get to the Father. It's through Jesus. And as zealous and as maybe cheesy as this sounds, I think that God really started stirring in me and gave me eyes to see something at a very young age where I'm on this college campus and college campuses, there's so much happening around you, so many things going on and people trying to find themselves. And what I'm realizing is that everybody out here is trying to find more in life. They're trying to find more in life. They're trying to find satisfaction, and they're doing it their own way. And the beauty of the gospel, and Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, is that everything we want, everything we need can be found in him. That's why I wrote it on my jersey. See, the problem with this is that we usually end up in one of two camps. We're either on this side where we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but yet we struggle with this belief on a day-to-day -day basis, or we're on the other side where we don't believe it at all. And see, both of these places end up in this space where we, we end up overwhelmed, we end up stressed all the time because the so-called so buck stops with you. It stops with what you do and what you bring to the table instead of Jesus. We stress about finding a job. We get overwhelmed about our finances. We are down and out about relationships in our life. We worry about everything. And what happens, whether you're a believer or not, is that we miss the goodness and the provision that exists when we believe in Jesus. So this is what I want to do today. In the room this size, people have come from all different spaces this week. There's so many clamoring noises that are hitting you. So many things you're stressing about, so many things you're thinking about. I just want us to slow down. I want us to slow down, and I want us to take a good listen and a good look at what Jesus says in this text. And I want us to realize the goodness and the provision that exists in Jesus saying he's the way, the truth, and the life. Because we commonly miss this in our lives because we're just scrambling around, 
trying to figure out everything in our own power and to make it all happen by the sweat of my brow. And the reality is that what we need and who we want is sitting right in front of us, just like I had on the back of my jersey. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, friends, in order to really understand what's happening in this text in John chapter 14, we got to take a good look at the context that's surrounding this passage. And the reason I say this is because many times Christians or even non-believers, we only focus on verse 6 in this text. This is the one we hear all the time. It's verse 6 where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. And we miss the surrounding context in the passage, which are very key to understanding what's happening here in verse 6. Hence our series, Life Verses. We all have life verses and things that we pick out of the Bible. And I'm going to step into your neighborhood probably on some toes a little bit because we got a bad habit of opening up this Bible and reading it and then taking a verse and saying, well, that's the verse I like. And we tat it all over our bodies or this is the one we memorize and we live by it. Or on the other hand, we say that's the verse that I don't like about Christianity. And that's why I cannot believe in it because it says something I do not like. I don't think it's good. I don't agree with it. And in both of those cases, if we really just looked at the surrounding verses around that one scripture, we probably would see an altogether different meaning. Y'all, we got to take our time and make sure we read verses in the context. We got to read the verses around it. So I, I gotta, we got to look at this text a bit. We got we to gotta go to school a bit. Friends, today in this text, I want to look at Jesus saying he's the way, the truth, and the light. But I also want to look at the context around it that preempts this verse because I think what we tend to do, here it is, is we focus too much on the exclusivity of this verse and we deem it not credible because we don't like exclusivity. We live in a world where we want everything or all these people to be included in everything. We don't like exclusivity. We like inclusion. And so we look at this verse and we're like, ah, that can't be true. I don't like it because Jesus is saying this. I can't follow somebody who doesn't love everybody. And we miss the grace of Jesus in this passage. We miss the goodness in this claim. So let's look at the text. Jesus in verse one, he says, let your hearts not be troubled, but believe in God and believe in me also. It's as if he's looking at the disciples as if he's the dad and looking at his children and saying, I'm about to leave, but don't be troubled. I I'm coming back. And, and I could picture the disciples with tears in their eyes welling up like, what do you, what do you mean, Jesus? You're, you're about to go. It's kind of like a parent going on a long trip. I got to go away for a little bit. And, and, the, and the tears of the children are starting to flow. And I, I can resonate with this passage a bit because I travel a bit outside of this. So I, I'm not just uh, the pastor of Renewal Church of Chicago, but I do a lot of things outside of the church, leading the city, and I speak a lot of different places. And, I, and one of the hardest things to do is see my children when I'm, when I'm leaving and they're, they're tearing up. Just this past week, my wife and I, we were in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Y'all been there before? You heard of that? Come on now, one person. Y'all need to bless yourself. Go, go to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I know y'all like Idaho potatoes. Who go to Idaho? Coeur d'Alene, Idaho is amazing. It's beautiful. And we were out there. We, we're just now joining Family Life Weekend to Remember speaker team. Where we get to pour into hundreds of married couples all over the nation. And it was a beautiful place. But nonetheless, when we were leaving to go to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, I, I, 
my, my children, they, they're, they're at the door and they're like, daddy, we don't want you to go. We don't, we don't want you to go. And, and in those moments, I, I will get on my knees with them. I'll hug them. We'll, we'll, we'll wrestle. We'll do all these things. And, and I'll tell them that I love them and I'll console them in the moment. But then I'll also say, baby, you, you want me to go on this trip. Trust me. And they're like, no, daddy, we don't want you to go. We don't want you to go. And I'm like, well, you like eating, right? And they're like, yeah, daddy, we like eating. And I'm like, you like heat in the house, right? They're like, yeah, we like heat in the house. You like clothes on your back. And then by this time, they're like looking at me like, what you talking about, Willis? What's going on? And I said, believe me, you want me to go. Because daddy has to work. And if I don't work, you don't eat. We don't have heat in this house. You don't have clothes on your back. So you want me to go. But I promise I'm coming back, Ellie. And it's for your good. See, hear me. Jesus here in this passage, what he's really saying is that I got to go away. He's trying to encourage them to believe. You've been with me. So trust me. I got to go away so that it will benefit you when I come back. You keep reading in this passage, and, 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 and before I even go there, somebody in here needs to hear that. You need to be encouraged because you're in a season right now where you feel like God is not near to you. He's not with you, and you're like, where are you, Jesus? He's saying, he, he's, he's saying be encouraged. I'm with you. I'm right, I'm right there with you. Even though you may not feel me, you may not see me, I'm here with you. He's here. And you're like, oh, well, he ascended. He's saying, I'm coming back. Be encouraged. Keep walking through this life. Your head held high because Jesus loves you and he will be back. He's trying to encourage them to believe. Keep going. You keep reading in the text. He says in the next verse, in my father's house, there's, more, there's many rooms and I, I got to go to prepare a place for you. See, Jesus is saying, I have to go to heaven. My father's house where there are many rooms. But then he says, I must prepare a place for you, which led me to do further investigation because I'm like, well, Jesus, you said there's many rooms in your father's house. Then why, why you just can't invite me over? I mean, why can't we just have a slumber party? Jesus, we've been hanging out all these years, kicking it, doing parties together. Why you got to leave to go prepare more rooms when you said that there's already rooms there? See, Jesus has said this many times to the disciples and many others throughout the passages before this. He says, where, where I'm going, you cannot come. And the simple answer of why they cannot come, do not miss this, is because there's no place for sin in heaven. Jesus says this right before he gets to this passage. Chapter 13, verse 33, look at it with me. He says, little children... Yet a little while I'm with you, you will seek me, and just as I've said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. See, what he's really saying here in this passage by stating, I must go prepare a place for you, is that I have to die for you in order for you to have a place in heaven. Don't miss that. This is why he starts out here in the text by saying, believe in God and believe in me. Y'all missing this thing. I heard you, Miss Tammy, but everybody else, y'all missing this. 
Jesus is saying, I have to die for you in order to provide for you after this life. I got to leave. I got to leave you in order for you to flourish, not only now, but forever throughout eternity. So hear me. This is key. When Jesus says rooms, these aren't literal rooms that he's talking about. He's saying, I have to go die to make room for you in heaven. Y'all missing it? We're sinful, which means we're separated from God because of our sin. This, there's this natural rebellion, this, this inclination in us to run away from the things of God instead of running to God. God is holy. We're sinful. We don't, we don't, we're not perfect. And I, I might be bursting somebody's bubble, and this may be hard to hear. We're not perfect. We're imperfect people. God is perfect. The only one that outside of that has ever walked this earth that's human that's perfect is Jesus. So Jesus in this passage, hear me, is saying, in order for you to enter heaven, you got to be holy. And the only way to enter heaven being holy when you're not holy is through Jesus. So Jesus is saying, I have to go so that you can come with me, where if you keep on reading here, don't miss this, he says, I will come again, and next time I will take you to myself. Key word in verse 3, to myself, because again, we cannot get into heaven any other way but through Jesus. Some of y'all still missing this thing. I just told y'all I travel a bit, and um, one of the things I, I have when I'm traveling is TSA pre-check. Anybody in here? TSA pre-check? If you travel and you don't have TSA pre-check, shame on you. It's, a, it's amazing. It's God's blessing. Um, TSA pre-check, I know they got clear out here, so maybe y'all upgraded and got clear. Pastor Steve's like, get clear, doc. You travel too much. I'm like, TSA pre-check is working for me. But TSA pre-check is amazing. If you don't know what it is, you, 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 you don't have to actually take off all your belongings when you go through the airport. You, you don't have to take off your jacket. You don't have to slip off your shoes or your belt or anything like that. You just put your, your, book, your book bag and your suitcase on the, on the belt, and you don't have to take out the liquids or anything like that. They just know and trust that you're, you're, you're good to go. So you put it through there, and, and, it, and it goes through the little the machine where they see everything inside your bag. And, and me, you know, I'm like, oh, I feel privileged, so I just, you know, I, I get my stroll on walking through that thing. They can't say nothing to me. You know why? Because I've already went through a process where I have been pre-checked by TSA. So when I walk through, they already know that I'm good to go. And see, here's the thing about this. Whenever I travel, I tend to take somebody with me. Whether it's my wife or residents at the church or, or my kids, I take them with me. And they may not have pre-check. But if I buy the ticket, then they usually get pre-check with me. Now, they haven't gone through any process of being clear. They haven't paid any money. They haven't been through anything to go through TSA pre-check. But because they're with me, they get to walk through as if they've already been pre-checked because I have been pre-checked. Some of y'all getting this. Some of you missing it. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I got to go die. 
I got to fulfill the requirements and everything to uphold the standard of God, God that God has before us of, of being holy. You don't have to do it because I'm going to do it. And guess what? It's for your good because when I come back, we both get to walk through those pearly gates just strolling because you're with me. This is what Jesus is trying to say to them here in this text. Do you see the love and the grace here in this passage? He's like, look, I need you to get this. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. We're like ships without a sail, like dirt that can't clean itself up. I've never known dirt to get itself out of a shirt. We're not like God. Our hearts are inclined to think we don't need God. We were bailed naturally. And Jesus, knowing all of this, is still like, you know what? I'm still going to go die. I'm still going to go prepare a place for you. Because without me, there's no place for you in heaven. Do you see the love and the grace in that? Let me keep going before I get ahead of myself. Jesus then says to, you know the way, but Thomas, like Peter, he's missing the forest for the trees. In verse 5, he says, Lord, we don't know the way. How can we know the way? And then Jesus, once more, look at his speech. He's being gracious. He's being consistent. And what he says, he now says in sovereign speech, I am. I am again means to be and I always will be. So what Jesus is really saying is that, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I always will be the way and the truth and the life. Let me pause and ask you once again, do you see the patience here? Do you see the love here? You see the consistency in Jesus' language when he's speaking to these disciples. He doesn't give up on them when they don't get it. He doesn't get mad at them and say, I'm done with you. He doesn't dismiss them because they didn't understand truth the first time. And honestly, y'all, that should be encouraging to somebody that walks in here today, walked in here today, because you're like, God, God can't love me where I am. There's no way that, that he still loves me and he wants me as I am. Hear me, you can't do enough bad to outdo his good. You can't. No matter how far off you are or far, or far out you go, he still loves you. You can always come to God with your pain, your problems, and your questions. And hear me, your question, there's no question that's too far out of bounds. You know how I know this? Because you look at this passage, look at these dudes. These are the disciples. These aren't regular guys that are with Jesus. They've been with him for three years. Three years. They've been eating with him. They've been hanging out with him. They've been going to parties. They've seen Jesus do miracles, and they still have questions. Turn to your neighbor and say that God will never give up on you. Go ahead. You got to do it. Turn the other way. Y'all can be louder than that and say, just believe. Just believe. God will never give up on you. Just believe. He will never give up on you. Just believe. Jesus here has to die and leave in order to provide for us. But family, here, here's the point in all that I'm saying. This passage 
And even this exclusive claim here in verse 6 is far more about Jesus caring for his people than it is about trying to be offensive or truly exclusive in a worldly sense. This is about him caring. Don't miss this. The passage shows the heart of a loving father saying, I know that there are things outside of here and outside of, outside of me that are enticing I know there are things outside in the world that, that promise you life. But Jesus is saying here, I'm right here. Just follow me and believe and you will experience true life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, family, knowing the goodness and the love of Jesus here, it's really key when we're trying to interpret verse 6. Because the meaning changes a bit. Because he's not just saying he's the way here. He's saying I'm the only way. But I'm also the good way. I'm the best way. I'm the most fulfilling way. I have provided a way. Just believe. But see, here's the problem. And as you keep reading the passage, you notice the problem. The problem is not that Jesus is saying that he's God. It's not that he's saying he's the way, the truth, and the life. The problem, again, as I said earlier, is that we don't believe. I know I'm all up in your kitchen. We don't believe. And at the end of the day, Jesus saying this, it's, it's, it's just not enough. I'm going through with Jesus. I need more than you just telling me you the way, the truth, and the life. You see, it's not the exclusive claim here, really. It's that we don't truly believe, which always leaves us wanting more. And without believing, there is this internal want inside of us that exists that is never satisfied because all of us in here, believer or not, were made in the image of God, which means that there is an internal void within us that cannot be filled with anything other than God. So hear me, the, the, the tension here is that we're sinful. This is, why, this is why this is hard to understand because there's this natural inclination inside of all of us to rebel against the things of God after what Adam and Eve did in the garden when they took from the forbidden fruit, which makes it really hard to fathom that we can be just satisfied by believing in Jesus. Because although we're shaped in his image and he can only satisfy, still sin runs rapid. Still running, it's still run, running our lives. It's still making us run away from God instead of to Him. Which then, what happens is, is that there's, there's internal turmoil going inside of our souls and inside of our hearts. Because hear me, we want the things that God can give. We want the things that that God has, but yet we don't believe. Or we feel like we can make it on our own so we never are truly satisfied or we never truly submit and believe. We never come to God with our hands open, but we come like this to God. And then as a result, we rebel. We rebel. We rebel and we keep going our own way and we end up never satisfied. Y'all see the problem here? It's a conundrum over and over again. We keep doing the same thing because Jesus is never enough. 
And it boils down to our belief. And maybe you're sitting there saying, Pastor D, I don't know if that's me. Well, maybe you believed at one time and, and you've been around the Christian church for a while or you've been in church for a while, but now you've, you, you, you've, been, you've gotten used to Christianity. You've gotten real familiar with it. And you don't walk with Jesus the way you used to. Matter of fact, Christianity is on the shelf in your life. You only pull it out when you need it. You're very, you're very familiar with your faith right now. And so what ends up happening is that you keep on reverting back to the same thing over again, struggling with the same scenarios, the same problems over and over again because you're not believing. See, it's the same root of the problem. It's the same issue, belief. Do you believe that Jesus is enough? Friends, hear me, sin is very sneaky. Our human will to do things on our own, it's always lurking, y'all. It's Satan's biggest lie in the Bible. It's the reason he got kicked out of heaven. It's how he got Adam and Eve to eat from the forbidden tree. Like, oh, it's more outside of God. That there's more to the eye here. It's even how he tries to tempt Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Look, Satan, hear me. He wants you to believe that you don't need Jesus. And hear me, the believer, if you call yourself a believer or you're, you're wrestling with things, this thing, to believe is not to just trust Jesus initially in his sacrifice for your righteousness and, 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 and your justification, but the believer has to trust Jesus every day of their life. Not just one day, but every day waking up, repenting and believing because my heart is wayward, God. I'm sorry for my thoughts in my head and just continually running back to God over and over again. It's a day-to-day belief. And you ask, but why? Why, Pastor D? Hear me, everything in the world outside of Jesus puts weight on your shoulders. In other words... Make survival up to you. And you end up just stacking more proverbial weights on your shoulders every day. I'm going to take my mama's weight on me. I'm going to take my friend's weight on me. I'm going to take my spouse's weight. I'm going to take my kids. And you see what's happening to your back? You, you can't carry the weight because you're carrying weight that you never should have been carrying in the first place. Friends, hear me. Jesus is the only one that takes weight off of you. He's the only one that says, I will give you satisfaction. I, I'm the only one that can give you the fulfillment you're looking for. I'm the only one that can give you the salvation that you need. And hear me, it's not dependent on what you do, but instead it's dependent on what I've already done on the cross for you. You don't have to do any work. We work from approval, not for approval. But I know some of us are still struggling with this. Here's the truth. Some of us, many of us, will walk out of church today and something is going to come your way. And you're going to have to make a choice. Do I truly believe that Jesus is enough or not? Whether it's taking one less drink and you know you shouldn't. I, I, I can't drink anymore. I gotta, I've got to put this thing down. Or, or if... It's, it's not looking at that thing online that you know you shouldn't be looking at. Or, 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 or maybe it's, it's 
going too far in the bedroom when you're trying to uphold the biblical covenant of marriage and saying, I want this bed to be undefiled and you're not married yet. Ooh, uh, maybe it's, you know, I really want these shoes, but you know you ain't got the money for them. Are you going to, what are you going to do in those moments? Maybe it's finding your approval in other people or your job. When we walk out of here, we have choices to make. Are we going to believe Jesus is enough or not? Because here's the reality. In those situations, you fill in the blank for yourself. There's something in each one of our lives where the reality is we don't have the power or the strength to do it on our own, and we have to believe. Friends, we walk by faith and, and believe in Jesus every day. Jesus not only says in the text that he's the only way to salvation, but that he is the only truth, the only one that promises a satisfying life, which means that everything we need is in Jesus from the start of our lives to the finish, from the start of our walk with Jesus on through eternity. We just have to believe. Let me ask you, that job you're waiting on, do you believe that Jesus can provide it? That spouse, do you believe that Jesus can, can provide it? And, and I'm not just talking about the single person here that's waiting to be married. I'm talking about the married person here that's waiting for their, their spouse to walk with Jesus. Do you believe? The finances, do you believe that Jesus can work it out? That house you're waiting on, do you believe that Jesus can work things out. Whatever you're working on or trying to figure out, we got to answer the question, do we believe that Jesus is in control? Do you believe that, like it says in Romans chapter 8, that he's working all things out for the good of those who love him? Do you believe? And don't, don't hear me saying with this that you need to sit down and, and, and just do nothing. But, but I'm trying to get us to understand is that we need to work from a place of belief instead of working from a place of self-sufficiency. Live from a place of faith. And guess what? Believing in him doesn't take life. Instead, it promises life. This is what the disciples are missing in this text, and we commonly miss it too. Hear me, family. I don't want you to miss this. Jesus makes this exclusive claim of salvation only through him, but at the same time, he does everything for us to be saved, which means that he is good. He steps out of heaven, God, in the flesh. He comes down and he walks among us. He does everything that we are supposed to do without sin. And he understands that we can't uphold this holy covenant, this holy standard that God wants with him and his people, that he wants us to be perfect. And what does he do? He makes his way to the cross. And his way, on his way to the cross, Jesus gets beat down. He gets kicked. Crown of thorns on his head, whips on his back, cat and nine tails, flesh hanging off his back, but he doesn't stop. And he puts that cross on his back and he hikes up this hill and he hangs on the hill with nails in each one of his hands and nails in his feet for you and me. He takes our sin upon himself and he dies for us, but he doesn't stop on the cross. 
He then goes to the grave, taking sin and death to the grave. And after three days, as the old church would say, early in the morning, Jesus got up with power in each one of his hands, signifying that he defeated sin and death, left it in the grave, but he doesn't stop there. He then hangs around for 40 more days and he's seen by more than 500 people so that people can witness the fact that Jesus got up from the grave, but he doesn't stop there either. He then ascends to heaven saying, I'll come back, but he doesn't stop there because now if we believe he gives us the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, a helper that comes alongside of us to make it through this life when we don't have what it takes to get through. Hear me, if you're not hearing what I'm saying, Jesus has done all the work for us. What he's saying in the passage is that I'm the way, the truth, the truth and the life, but this is the good way. I got you. Family, some of us have walked in here this morning and we're struggling with decisions we need to make. We're struggling with change and bad habits that we need to break. We're down and depressed about life and Jesus is saying to you, you're not alone. Just trust me because I'm the way maker. I'm the truth that does not come back void. I'm the only one that has experienced, the only way you can experience true freedom in this life because I've conquered it all. And if you believe, you will live for eternity. Friends, let's not be like the disciples in this text. Well, we got Jesus staring us right in the eye and we're missing because of everything else going on in our lives. He's saying, I'm right here, just believe. And I'll take care of you. For my way is the good way. Just believe. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're a good God. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. And we give you honor. God, I pray for those that are struggling with belief this morning, that are struggling where they are. God, I pray that you would, if you haven't already, intercede and just enter the hearts of your folks and say, I'm here. Just believe. I got you. I'm all you need. God, that we will lay our lives down, give you our hearts and say, I'm tired of running my life the way I've been doing it. And I need you, Jesus. So, God, I pray that from here on forward, that when those circumstances and those problems enter our lives, that we would stop. And instead of getting overwhelmed or anxious in that moment, We'd say, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you're for me. I believe that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.